Dads, if I were to ask your kids, is your dad all in on anything? What would they tell me that you're all in on? And I wonder if what they told me you were all in on, A, you were all in on, and B, would it be something you're good on being all in on? Or would it be a, and I ask that question in neither praise nor judgment. I just ask it to, to get you to think, am, am, I, am I invested? Am I vested in anything? Or am I, am I, have I spread myself so thin amongst my career, amongst my family, uh, amongst the hobbies? Uh, am I spread so thin that I feel like the guy with the plates in the air? And, I, and I'm just trying to keep the plates from dropping. And, I, and so, and I fear, <clears throat> I don't fear, I know, <laughs> that in our culture, that's exactly what the enemy wants of us. He wants of us to feel so overwhelmed, so under-equipped, that we start dropping plates. And then we start backing up and backing up and backing up because more plates fall. And we, we find ourselves stepping back to say, I'm all in on nothing and little in on a lot. Today, uh, one of the greatest father-son stories in all of Scripture, and really that, that's ever been, is we're going to see here from Genesis 22. If you want to turn to your Bibles there, that's where we're going to be. We're going to see this story of Abraham and, and, and Isaac unfold. You know the story. We've shared it with you before of this trek up the mountain for a sacrifice to be made, and Isaac is the sacrifice. And, um, but as this story unfolds, I think what Abraham begins to learn about himself and what Isaac begins to learn not only about himself but about his dad and about his dad's heavenly father is if I'm all in, I can see God come through every time. When I'm fully invested, I see the Lord's hand here. I see it there. I see it work all around me. When I'm not, I have to wonder, where's God? And the where's God question has a lot to do with where am I? Am I invested? Am I all in? Am I committed? So let's look at this text together and then come back and and glean some things from our friend Abe. Verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 22 of Genesis. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the, the, the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the, one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there. We'll worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. I do not, uh, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up there in the thicket and saw a ram caught by its horns. 
He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. An incredible story here of of an all-in investment on on the part of Abraham and basically his forcing his son Isaac into this investment with him. You're going to be complicit in this because what you're about to see and what you're about to learn is going to blow your way. way. It's going to blow your mind. And and I'm convinced this event changed the two of them forever. We see that later on in in, in Scripture. But I want us to glean four things today that not only that every dad should, should know and live and understand, but really all of us. Father Abraham, first of all, had an all-in response. Look at verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. Now, God tells him here, verse 2, take your son, your only son Isaac, up the mountain and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering to me. There's no argument. There's no pushback. There's no, are you serious? Did you say what I I thought you just, you want me to take my son Isaac up the mountain and put it, the one that I prayed for, the one that I didn't have until I was 100 years old, this one. You wanted me to take him up the, up the mountain and give him back to you. There's no, there's, no, there's no analysis. There's no waiting for confirmation. There's no talking to 12 friends. There's no placing it on Facebook to see if anybody says, you're crazy, you're, you're nuts, you're following. There's none of that. There's just this, this obedience that says, okay, early in the morning, I'm going to get up. Now, I would submit probably, if Abraham's like most dads, he didn't sleep very well that night, if at all. Can you imagine going to bed that night and God just having told you, you're about to lose your son tomorrow. But I want you to be obedient to me. I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. I don't imagine he slept very well. But he rises, the scripture says in verse 3, <clears throat> early in the morning. And, and there is no, there's no delay in his response. As I said, there's no pushback. There's no, can we stop and pray about this? Can we, can we get some confirmation, get some analysis of what's going on to make sure, this, make sure I heard the Lord right? Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22 says these words. Great, great verse of scripture to memorize. Just a sim- one simple phrase says, to obey is better than sacrifice. So what is God looking for us? He's not looking for sacrifice of us. If we want to sacrifice to him, great. And that's what he called Abraham to do. But what he called him to above sacrifice was obedience. He wasn't saying, Abraham, it's about the offering because I want the offering. No, it was about, do you trust me? That was, that was the message behind the story here is, Abraham, do you trust me? Are you all in with me above your family, above what you know, above what you've experienced? Is, is, is you and me enough for you to make it? Or do you need more? You need this. You need the same the things that are surrounding you. Um, now, did Abraham want to obey the Lord here? <laughs> if he's human, absolutely not. Everything in him, the human, the carnal side of him, probably wanted to push back and say, "How dare you take the very son that I prayed for for these many years?" And yet here you are wanting me to offer him up to you. Who do you think you are? There's no pushback. There's simple obedience on Abraham's part. Does he want to do this? No, he doesn't want to. But he follows through anyway. Why? I would submit that he has seen a track record of God speaking into his life and God coming through for him over and over. In fact, we can go back in, early, in these earlier chapters of Genesis and look for it. Of God coming through over and over and over and over him to say, I've got this. I'm, I'm enough. I'm all you need. And Abraham had, had seen enough of a track record, had had enough spiritual markers in his life to say, God's come through there, he's come through there, he's come through, and he'll come through here. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But God's going to come through for me. He knew that God's plan is always better than his. There's enough mileage, having enough water over the dam to know God's plan is always better than not. I don't see it, I don't understand it, and I don't like it today. But I trust God's ways are always better than mine. I trust I will see that as we go. And he did. And you know the story. We just read it. 
Abraham had an all-in response. Secondly, Father Abraham had all-in follow-through. Look at verses 4 and 5 together with me. He says that uh, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. On the third day, so this is a three-day journey. A lot can happen in a guy's mind over three days. Heck, a lot can happen in a guy's mind in three minutes. But can you imagine a three-day journey of what the enemy was saying to him and what he was saying to himself? I don't get this. I don't like it. And, and trudging every step of the way. I don't like this. I don't get this. I don't understand this. And I can imagine the enemy saying to him what he, was, what he would say to us. Are you serious? You, mis, you, you, misheard, you misheard things. You, you totally misread God. You, you totally misunderstood. Turn around and get back to the house. This is your son. This is the, one, this is the gift from God that God gave you. Get back to the house. You've, told, you've blown it. You're, 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 you're senile, Abraham. You're 100. You're losing your mind. You've got dementia sitting in bed. You've got to get back to the house. You missed it. And, and, and over and over and over, the enemy's saying, this can't be. You, you, you misheard. This can't, be, this can't be the right message. You can't be serious about this. Are you this nuts? You're going to take your son and put him on an altar and cut his throat open as you would a lamb and sacrifice? You're nuts. You misheard this. And there's three days of this now. He's, he's trudging three days of this, and so there's, there, there's nights where he's probably sleepless as well again. And then there's the next day, and there's his journey continuing on, and another night where he's sleepless again. And the next day, and you can imagine the fatigue setting in, and, and him, him, at least in his own mind, saying, did I, did I miss it? Did I, did, I, did I mishear something? Did I misread something? These people are following me around like I know so what's going on. Now. I'm not sure that I do. And every one of you dads, if you're like me, have made decisions regarding your family that says, I hope, I hope this is right. I'm not altogether sure it is most of the time, but I hope, it's, I hope I'm making the right decision here. Every one of us has made those kind of decisions. And here's Abraham in the, in the, in the, in the, as it applies to the life of his very sons, and I hope I'm making the right decision. Because this don't feel right. There's nothing that feels right about this. Yeah, this is what God said. He, he, always, he always makes a way for us. So there's this follow-through that Abraham has uh, here for, for, for these three days, and and it's, it's difficult for him, but he's, he stays the course. He stays the course again. And, and Dad, whether it's, whether it's at, at home, whether it's in a hobby, whether it's at work, I want to pose a question to you. Does your, does your family, does your wife and kids see you complete the task? Do they see you as one who finishes well, one who follows through on the things that, whether it's something mundane around the house, whether it's something work-related, whether it's something pretty serious in your marriage or in your home or in, in some role of parenting, do they see you follow through? Or did they see, they see you hand that off to your wife? Did they say, well, would you take care of this one? Or did, or did they see you follow through to say, I know that whatever it is, whether right or wrong, whether I agree with it or not, he's going to finish it. <laughs> he's going to see this through to the end. He, 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 that's something I know he's going to do. Again, whether I agree with it, whether I see the, the end result all the time, meshing out with what, what the decision has been made. But I know he's going to be a person to follow through. I know he's going to complete the task. Do those around you in your world see you as a person to follow through? Or do you carry the ball halfway and then hand it off to say, you can do better at finishing this than I can? Most of us uh, don't like the answer to the question most of the time. But I would, ask, I would pose this to you as well, that do you know where an all-in dad gets his motivation? And Abraham needed it desperately here, a three-day journey. He needed desperately to follow through. Do you know where he gets the follow through? You know where dads get the follow through in our day? It is by, by seeing a track record, as I said a moment ago, 
of seeing what God has done to say, I know he's in this and I know he's got this. I can't see the results of it now. I don't understand the the nature of it now, but I know if God is in this, it's going to work out. It's going to be for my good and for my family's good. If there's enough track record with us, guys, that's, that's an easy C. If we lack mileage, we're grappling to figure out, is this even going to work? Should I, should I bail on this? Should I do something else? Should I, should I get some more opinions in, about what's going on here? And all in relationship with God is what carries us through difficult times where it's, where it's hard to follow through. Same thing with Abraham. But look at, here's an interesting sidebar here. Look at the last phrase of verse 5. He tells the, the, the servants, we'll worship and then we'll come back to you. Now here's Abraham saying, okay, God told me to take my son up and sacrifice my son. Here on the altar, I got a knife, I got some wood, I know the plan. But he, he saw enough, as I said, God had enough of a track record in his life to know God's going to provide a way. God's going to make a provision. Somehow, God's going to make a provision. Isaac and I are coming back to you guys. We're going to go up on a mountain and worship. And that's exactly what they did. Not in, not in a conventional way. Nobody sang, no songs were sung, no messages. But, but they went up and found a place of worship with God. We'll look at that in just a moment. But he has, he's bold, Abraham is bold enough in his faith and has enough mileage with the Lord to say, we're going to come back. The two of us are coming back. We're going to go up and worship. And we're going to come back and be with you again. What does that tell us? It tells us that, God, that Abraham knew God would, would make a way. If, if, if there are situations and questions in your life and in your world, dads, where you're wondering, how do I get through this? I'm going to tell you how you get through this. If you're all in with the Lord, you understand he's going to make a way. He always does. He, now, is it in the way we want? Seldom. Is it in the timing we want? Seldom. But God always makes a way. He always makes provision for us. If he's called us to something and moved us in a particular direction, how drastic, however drastic it may seem, he will always make a way. He'll always provide for us. Now, this is not just faith here, Abraham's response to these guys, to say, we're going to worship and come back. Not just faith. It's faith in action. It's a bold faith to say, we're going up to worship. We're coming back to be with you guys. We'll be back. We'll be. So look for us to come back. It's bold faith on Abraham's part to say, listen, I know God's going to come through. Now, he, doesn't, he doesn't tell the servants what's going on. doesn't tell anybody the, the, the particulars here. He says, we're going up to worship. We're going to come back and be with you. A bold faith that says, I know God's going to come through. He has and he will again. An all-in follow-through. Thirdly, Abraham had an all-in focus. Look with me at verse 9 to 11. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. You get that? Now, the angel calls out twice to him here. Did he call out twice because, he, because Abraham had a trouble hearing? Look up in verse 1. Uh, sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, one time. Abraham says, here I am. Down here in verse 11, the angel cries out, Abraham. And I, and I believe the second time, louder than the first, Abraham. You know why? I think it's to get Abraham's attention. You know why I think it's to get his attention? Because Abraham was zoned in. He was zoned in and he had to, can you imagine, guys, the, <clears throat> the fortitude it would take to take the life of your own child? And how you would need to be locked in to say, I, there's too many distractions. I can't listen to the enemy. I can't question God. I've got to stay through with this. And so, You've built the altar. You've bound up your son Isaac. Isaac's saying, God, Dad, what's going on? What, what's, what are you doing? This is nuts. What are you? And still binding up his son, probably. In Isaac's life and in Abraham's life, great anguish and great angst and probably tears flowing and, and anger flowing. And, and so he's still binding up his son, putting his son on the altar. 
There's an interesting side story to this we'll talk about in just a minute. But here's, here's the focus of Abraham saying, I've got to do this. God's not going to deliver until he sees me follow through. And Abraham knows that. And so here's this follow through with Abraham, this focus to say, um, he's, he's bound on the altar. The, the fire is ready to be built. Here's the knife. And he's taking up the knife. And I believe, kind of like, at every few inches, trying to, trying to keep focus, to keep the motivation. I'm going to take the life of my own son. And the angel cries out, Abraham. And I don't think he hears him the first time. So he cries out again, Abraham. To get Abraham's attention to say, listen to me. Abraham was in the zone. You guys ever been in, you ladies ever, ever have struggles getting your guys' attention when you're just watching a ball game on TV? Never. That's exactly how Abraham was to the nth degree. He was so focused and so zoned on the task that the angel had to say, hey, hey, hey. Had to get his attention to say, listen, whoa, 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 whoa. I see this now. And you, we see the angel's response. I see now your commitment. To God. I see your follow through. Listen, God's provided. Stop the knife. <laughs> Hold back the knife. Get your son on the altar. Look at the ram over here in the, in the thicket with his, with his thorns caught. Abraham was so focused on what's go, what was going on in that moment that the angel had to speak to him, as, as I said twice and probably the second time louder than the first. Now, if he wasn't locked in, he would be like most of you and I, dads. Our emotion would take over. When I'm zoned in, I can usually zone my emotions out of the situation. When I'm locked into something and I'm focused on something, I'm usually focused beyond emotion. Emotion never enters into it anymore. It's now the task, and I've got to complete this task. Most, most guys are locked in. Not all, but most. If, if I get my focus off of the task, I start to listen to my emotions. And my emotion says, what are you doing? This is your son. What are you doing? You're nuts. That's my, what my motion says. So, so Abraham stays focused on the task here and follows through, and we see how God provides as a result of that focus. I think, if, I think if Abraham squanders this and starts to walk away at any point, he doesn't see the provision of God. He doesn't see the ram. I think, he, I think he sees the ram because he stays focused all the way through the end. Now, here's the interesting side story of this. Isaac, we see his birth over here in chapter 21. The child grew, chapter 21, verse 8. And then the first verse of chapter 22, sometime later, most theologians believe that at this point, Isaac was between the ages of 16 and 22. Certainly big enough and strong enough to overtake a 100-year-old dad. And at any point, probably could have pushed back, could have, you know, as, as Abraham's trying to bind his hands and feet to put him on the altar, Isaac probably at any point could have said, no, I'm not doing this. You're nuts. And could have physically overtaken his dad to say, I'm not, I'm, I'm, and, and could have, whatever, whatever needed to be done physically there, Isaac is big enough and probably willed enough, strong-willed enough, to overtake his dad. So what is this? It's a testimony of respect. It's a testimony of, I see an all-in walk with my dad, and I want it. I don't get it, because this looks nuts to me. He's binding up my hands here. And so <clears throat> why does Isaac follow through with that? Because the respect and the admiration that he sees his, walk, his dad's walk with God have. And he's, he, it pays off for Isaac because in just a couple of moments, Isaac's going to see God come through in an incredible way. He's going to hear the voice of this angel, Abraham, Abraham. Can you imagine Isaac being bound on the altar and his, his, his dad's above him with a knife and he hears, <laughs> hears the voice of this angel. And I, I can imagine immense relief, but shock at the same time. What was that? Who was that? Dad. And he hears the things Abraham's been hearing. And he sees the things Abraham's been seeing. Dad, there is no greater legacy.
There's no greater legacy your kids could see than the model of godliness in you. None. Nothing's more important than that. So, Isaac submits to this scene, and to his dad, to, to the authority of his dad, and the walk of his dad, and gets to see the blessing as a result of it. As a result of that, he hears this angel's voice. Wow, where did that come from? And then sees this ram in the thicket. Whoa, that wasn't here when we walked up. Where did that come from? So over and over again, he's seeing, that's God. That's God. That's God. You know what, what Isaac walked down the mountain with? Isaac walked up the mountain all in with his dad. He walked down the mountain all in with the Lord. Walked up all in with his dad. Walked down the mountain all in with God. Why? Because of what he'd experienced. He'd experienced a part of what his dad already knew. God's going to come through every time, in every situation. It's going to come through. Fourthly, Abraham not only had an all-in response and had an all-in follow-through, an all-in focus, he saw an all-in provision. This is a good part. Verses 12 to 14. Look there. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. The one of promise, in other words. Abraham looked up there, and there in the thicket saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram, sacrificed it as an offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Each, each one of those words in that phrase, probably in, in your version of Scripture, is capitalized as it should be. Because it's a name, it's referring to the name of God. Uh, in, in Bible school, we call it, we, you call it Jehovah Jireh. In the Hebrew, it's Yahweh Yireh. Yahweh Yireh. Jehovah provider, God the provider. Now, in this this lesson he learns here is, is, that, is that this, when we see, and this is true of us, it was true of Abraham, it's true of every believer, it's true of every human. When you see in the moment provision by God, it'll change you forever. As I said a moment ago, seldom does that provision occur as quickly as we'd like it to, in the way we'd like it to, from the means we'd like it to. Because we seldom see in the moment provision from God instantaneously, but when we do... <laughs> It changes us forever. And to get to that in-the-moment provision, look at the incredible faith it took on Abraham's part to see that. It's a great lesson for us. The more we are all in, the more we are radicalized, the more, we are, the more we're willing to say, I don't care what it is, and I don't care what the cost is, and I don't care the ramifications of it. If God calls me to that, that issue and it, or to this situation or to this conversation or to this confrontation, or to, if God calls me to that, he's going to show up in the middle of that and show himself to me in a way that I would never seen before. And he does. And God does that over and over and over again for us. Why? Because we have seen this in-the-moment provision of God, and we've, we've been reminded of it. And we'll tell you, Abraham was changed forever from this point. So was Isaac. Because they saw instantly in-the-moment provision God had had for this situation for them to meet, to meet the need of both. You see, a sacrifice had to be given that day because God has, had commanded one. And so they couldn't come back, back down the mountain with no sacrifice. So he provides the lamb, and, and, and Abraham, as, as, as the story reads here, calls this place, the Mount Moriah, calls this place, the, the, the place where God, the mountain where God provides. Coming away with a lesson, lesson that whenever we are all in with him, he will always, always, always provide, every time. As I said a moment ago, in the way we want, seldom, 
and the timing we want, seldom. It's seldom the way we would choose, but he always makes provision for us. Why? To teach us this. And this is, if you don't get anything out of this morning, get this. Here's the lesson in this. That the provision of God, our only role in the provision of God is obedience. That's our only role. The more we get into his way, the more we manipulate, manipulate the circumstances, the more we try to work it out. Let me help God along here. He's not moving fast enough. He's not moving in the way I thought. He's not moving in the, with the means I thought. The more we get involved, the seldom we see God show up. And when he does, it's hard to recognize. Was that me or was that him? Was that something I did, something he did? The more we, the more we realize that our only role in provision of God is obedience. Our only role in seeing him do something miraculous, do something incredible, do something supernatural in my life. My only role in that is just simply to obey and step back and watch him work. When we find ourselves in that place, willing to say whatever it, is, whatever it takes, wherever you're asking me to go, whatever you're asking me to say or do, I'll just be obedient to it and let you work out the rest. I don't need to help it. I don't need to enhance it. I don't need to, to flower it up. I don't need to make it sweeter. I don't need to make it more palatable. I don't need to make it more, more digestible for friends. I just need to say it. I need to do it. I need to live it. I need to, I need to walk it. Whatever, whatever he's calling us to do. If we find ourselves in a place of obedience, we see the provision of God. When we find ourselves in a place of helper, we seldom do. Or when we do, as I say, we have to wonder, is that the Lord? Is that me? What's going on here? But when we find ourselves just to say, God, I just want to find myself in a place of obedience. I just want to obey. We'll see God show up provisionally in, in supernatural ways. So, what did Abraham find himself obeying here? The voice of God. When God speaks, we obey. So what do we find ourselves sitting here today in 2016, here on Father's Day, needing to obey the things God says? What does he say? From his spirit and from his word. God still speaks to man today as clearly as he spoke to Abraham. I believe that with all my heart. We just seldom listen to him. We're seldom zoned in. We're seldom find ourselves in a position to hear him. Why? Because of the clutter in your world. Because of bills, because of jobs, because of health, because of friends, because of commitments. We find, our, find ourselves having to, to weed through and clear, clear a path for God to speak. And Abraham was zoned in him consistently. Why? We know that as he spoke to him in verse 1, Abraham, here I am. Abraham, yeah. Yeah, it's me. What do, you, what do you need? What do you want? He stayed on the ready. He stayed zoned in. He stayed, uh, he stayed in an accessible position to God. And God... Finds himself in, in, in a place of showing provision to Abraham out of simple obedience. Okay, I'm going up the mountain to take Isaac. <laughs> Here we go. Not This is nuts, God. What, what do you just find simple obedience? And through that simple obedience, finds a provision of God that changes him and changes his son. I'm going to tell you, God will do that in us, Dad. He will do that in us if we just find our place or find ourselves in a, in a place of simple obedience to his spirit and to his word every time. He'll do it every time. As I said, this event changed Abraham and Isaac forever. They learned a couple of things. One, they learned the power of the influence of an obedient all-in life. Abraham learned that. Isaac learned that. Secondly, they learned that their father always comes through. Isaac learned that. He learned that in his dad, and he learned that in his dad's dad. Abraham learned that too. My father came through, and he will always come through. Isaac learned my father came through, and his heavenly father comes through as well. When we see that consistently happen in our lives, Dad, as I said, there's no greater legacy that you can leave your kids than a legacy of watching after godly things, anticipating godly things, seeing God at work in, the, in, in everyday normal circumstances in life. There's no greater legacy you can leave than that. It's better than a college fund. It's better than, than, than a dowry. 
It's better than it's better than great stories. There's no greater legacy you can leave than having your kids expecting godly things. Why? Because they've seen God in your life. And in following after your life, they expect it in theirs too. They expect God to show up provisionally. Why? Because I'm obedient. I saw obedience in my dad. And I saw God honor obedience. If I'm obedient, God will honor that obedience and make provision for me as well. They learn the power and the influence of an all-in life. And they learn their, their father comes through every time. Every time he's trusted, every time we put him to the test, he'll come through every time. In the way we want, in the time we want, seldom. But every time he comes through, if we follow him in obedience. A couple things here, dad, as we, dads, as we close, and, and not really all of us, but more importantly, dads. And I, w- I would encourage you to do two things. One is to let the generational complacency stop with your generation. If you have grown up in a family, and, and many men have grown up in families either with absentee dads, or and by absentee I mean either physical or spiritual. You, you fill in the gaps. But many, many men have grown up in homes with, where, where there is no male spiritual influence, or little male spiritual influence. As I talk to men, as I've grown up in life, as i played ball with guys, as I've as I, as I, as I rubbed shoulders with men in, in adulthood, I've seen this story over and over and over again, that dad's there, dad does the job, dad goes to work, dad pays the bills, but when it comes to spiritual engagement, there's a disconnect. Or, my dad's not there at all. He works himself to death, I never see him, even if, he's, even if my mom and dad aren't divorced, I just never see him, because he's consumed with what he does. The generational complacency, guys, can stop with your generation. Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. But it can be done. It, 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 it's, it's, it's one decision at a time. It's one conversation at a time. Generational complacency can stop with you. If, you. if you fail to see the spiritual model of guys that you needed to see growing up, there is hope for you. And the hope for you is, as we, as we listen to the word, words of God, both by way of his spirit and by way of his word, we can become that kind of man. We can become the Abraham in our, in our sons' and daughters' lives. We can become the man that says, this doesn't make sense right now, but let's trust God. This doesn't look right right now, but let's trust God. Why? Because I believe God's in this. And if he's in this, he's going, to, he's going to provide, he's going to come through for us. Those, those are invaluable lessons, as I said, for kids to learn. And we can stop the generations of complacency. You know why your dad was the way he was? Because his dad was the way he was. And his dad was the way he was. They don't have to stay that way. It can stop the, the, the spiritual complacency as far as you're being the spiritual leader of your home and charting the spiritual course for your home can stop with your generation. And the generation behind you can see something different. And the generation behind them can see something different. Why? Because you made a conscious decision. I want to be all in. I, I'm tired of a seat on the sidelines. I'm tired of observing life, and observing people, observing my family, my world, be satisfied with spiritual mediocrity. I'm tired of that. I don't, want it, I don't want it anymore. I'm sick of it. I'm up to here with it. And I want to move into a place where God says, here's something deeper. Here's a side of me you've never seen. Here's a part of me you've never known. Here's, here's a sacrifice made by you that I've seen and that I will honor every day of your life from now on. It'll change you. We can't see that on the sidelines. We can't see that complacent. We can't see that blaming our dad or our grandfather anymore. We've got to engage to see those kinds of things. And it can stop with us. The gener- that, that generational complacency can stop with us. Why? How? To resolve today to be an all-in dad. To resolve today to, to, to say whatever this looks like. I want all-in. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of I'm tired of here and there. I'm tired of a Sunday or two, Sunday or two here or there where I sense God's presence, where I hear his voice. I'm tired of, tired of looking, for, looking to the pastor or looking for, to a book or looking to, to, to a spiritual 
spiritually mature friend to help me glean and see the spiritual things of life. I'm tired of that. I want to see those on my own. I want to hear those things from God on my own. I want to capture his voice on my own. I don't have to look to someone else's voice to communicate to me what God says. I want to hear God's voice, and I want to know it's him, and I want to respond in simple obedience, and I want to see him come through in incredible ways because I do that. Guys, that can happen in every home, in every father or grandfather, as, as the case may be, in every one of our lives. But where does it start? It starts one conversation at a time. starts one decision at a time. starts one situation at a time. starts adjusting priorities one at a time to where... God didn't have to muddle through the, 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 the confusion and the, and the clutter of our life to speak to us. We have to reprioritize some things for that to occur, but it can if we want it to occur. And I long for that. I long for that for us. I long for that for your kids. I long for that for your grandkids. You think it's, it's too late now. I mean, my kids are already good. No, it's not. It's never too late. It's never too late because you still bear influence. You may not like it. You may not like the truth of that, but you still bear influence, and that influence is powerful. And it's palatable, even to generations behind you. We see that in the life of Isaac. And, and we, by the time I can tell you the story, uh, Isaac goes on to, to become more than, than this story tells. But why did, where did that all start? Where did it all occur? It occurred on a mountaintop where he saw his dad he thought was crazy, nuts, followed through with God, and it changed him. It changed his dad. That can change us too, guys, because we got, we, there are things in front of us that are too big for us. You know why I know that? Because I'm a dad. There are things in front of us that are too big for us. We can't do on our own. We need help. We need the guidance of a Heavenly Father that says, when you're all in with me, you're going to see me show up in some incredible ways. You're going to see my provision. You're going to see Yahweh Yireh in ways you never dreamed before, ever. 